a podcast about something where each week we dive deep into whatever it is we find interesting. I'm your host, Calvin, and joining me from Judgment Day, it's your co-host, Nick Richardson. It's kind of bullshit out here, bro. Yeah, it, you're about to get nuked super hard. Hard. I'm holding on to yeah. this fence desperately. Find John Connor right now. Fuck that guy. Because he is the savior. I mean, I don't know. I, there's like six of them. I can't figure it out anymore. That's true. Terminator is very confusing, but we're going kind of back to a better era of Terminator. We're giving out movie superlatives today, as we do every month, but we're giving them specifically to the part twos of movie series. So only part twos are eligible for these superlatives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It could be either a prequel or a sequel. Some, yes. some movies do that, I guess. I notice that more in TV than anything. Yeah, a lot of times they go back in time in, in TV. But yeah, it has to be the second movie released in a franchise. And then things like with multiple trilogies like Star Wars, Harry Potter, Fantastic Beasts, Lord of the Rings, Hobbit, those things we took each trilogy separately. So you could have an award for The Last Jedi, an award for Empire Strikes Back, and an award for Attack of the Clones if you wanted to. It's going it's hard. It's a lot of Star Wars. Yeah, it's but going fucking hard. You, you could. Uh, at every Batman series, you know, you got the first four movies, and then you got the Nolan series, then you got the Justice League series. All of those are eligible. The Avengers movies, each different Avenger has their own trilogy. You could pick one of those part twos. Doesn't matter as long as it's the second movie in a consecutive series. Boom. That's what we're doing. Yeah, and there's actually, I, I was a little worried that I wouldn't be able to find what I was looking for, but there was a lot more. When I, I had really a got huge down dirty. list of movies that. I was going through and I didn't get to most of them. Yeah, I got. Um, so yeah, I got like six runner-ups for just about everything this week. <laughs> yeah, me too. There's there's a lot of part two movies and a lot of them a lot of them do the same. If if it's a good part two movie, they do these five things that we're gonna give out awards for. They do it really well, and you know that's what kind of makes a good part two. So you know just to recap, every month we give out made up awards to certain types of movies. And um, we can't give the same movie more than one award, and we can't give more than one award to the same movie. Wait, we can't give more than one award to more than one movie, right? Correct. Yeah. No repeatsies. No takebacksies. No switchsies. No erases. None of that. No erases. Yeah. Uh, so today, for the part two movies, we are giving out best new character had to be introduced in the second part. Uh, best world building addition. So this is something that was added in the second part of the movie that didn't exist necessarily in the first movie. Uh, best genre shift. A lot of part twos, you know, part one goes one way, part two, now you're all of a sudden in a different genre. Really makes for some interesting trilogies when they do that. <laughs> that happens uh, a lot more than I thought too. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's, there's some good ones out there. Uh, most devastating lost character. I don't think you can have a good part two without killing somebody off there. Yeah. Even if they came back, that's okay. But you gotta kill somebody. Pretty much. It's a given. Yeah. And uh, the final award we'll be giving out is the best part three setup. So, a lot of part twos, if part one did successful, they go ahead and sign on. We're gonna do three of these bitches. So, you get a really... Uh, you, you just get a heavy-handed, like, we're going into part three here, don't even worry about it, at the end of part two. Pretty much. The, it, it's kind of a hard thing to stick, though. It was. Um, I didn't have a lot of great options for this um 
but I, th I think I picked a good one, and I just thought of one that would have been good, but I used it for a different award, So, uh, but we can talk about that when we get there. I ran into quite a bit of that, actually. Yeah. I, it really a lot of like shifting around of like do I want to use this here or here and I tried to I tried to not pack too many superhero or like Star Wars movies but we get what we get here <laughs> this is us I mean we do yeah. like that shit a lot <laughs> those are the things we talk about most of the time so uh, that that's what's gonna happen I, I mix it up quite a bit so I'm ready to get down and dirty with it and introducing and, and, and. for the first time ever at the end of this We'll do the movie Suckletives that we spoke about in our last movie superlatives where we give basically the opposite of all of these awards to shitty versions of this. And those <laughs> we're not going to dive as deep into that. We're just going to like give it away and, and move on with our lives. Yeah, it's going to be fun, though. Tell you. Yes. Tell you what. All right. So let's jump into it. Best new character. Who's your pick? Best new character is the T-1000 from Terminator 2. Liquid Metal. Judgment Day. Bro. He That's is, why you're there right now. I mean, I'm a big fan. He's He's got a very, very talented individual. And, uh, yeah. Um, I've never really liked Robert Patrick, who portrays him. But he is fucking I honestly don't know him. that I've seen him in anything else. I, I remember his ears in a couple different movies. Could not say <laughs> what it is. but He does have time, some ears. I believe a war movie. I want to say sure. a war movie. But either way, he was perfect for that role and was just the ultimate villain to bring into Terminator. Because after the first one, when you know he runs into a gas station, gas station, into a uh, police department and kills a ton of cops and shit like that, it's really hard to uh, you know add to that, especially yeah. in a villain role. And they did amazing. They did amazing with the T-1000. I would argue that the actor for the T-1000 doesn't matter that much because they made the uh, character, I, I guess the character of the T-1000 so incredible. He's such an imposing force and uh, the CGI holds up for, you know, being from 1991 and just the way he can melt and move through things and turn his body into weapons and all this different stuff that the T-1000 could do that the T-800 can't do, um, it really made for an imposing villain, like you said. And Robert Patrick, like, he's fine. And, no, like, he does perfect. a good job being the T-1000, but I don't know that it matters. You just I mean, need a, a body there. You couldn't have Jonah Hill as the T-1000. That'd be No, I mean, you need a, a fit person there, I guess you could say. Uh, because, I mean, then you even look at uh, Terminator 3... And, you know, they brought in whoever, the, the, the girl version of the Terminator. She's not physically imposing, but, she, like, she still did the job of being a, an imposing villain and, and being able to do things because they brought some of that liquid metal into her persona as well. So, like, the liquid metal is the selling point of the T-1000 more so than, like, you know, if you got fucking Michael Clark Duncan playing that role. That where he's just too. a huge hulking dude, you know? Well, I just, I... What I really, really liked about his performance in Terminator 2 was when he was trying to impersonate a person. Like, I thought he did such a good job of being just a little bit off. I yeah. thought he was perfect. I mean, I don't think you could really put, like, Robert Pattinson in that role because he doesn't have that thousand-yard stare that this dude has. That shit that is just frightening. I don't know, man. Have you seen Twilight, how he looks at Bella while she's sleeping? That's more like, I'm shitting my pants kind of stare. <laughs> No, I, yeah, it's, yeah, I'll agree with that. I, I also like in T2 how, you know, with, 
with Terminator 1, you have Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's the most physically imposing actor of the late 80s, early 90s. Oh, right? You can't get more physically imposing. So if you're going to turn him good in Terminator 2, he's not going to be the main antagonist. You have to find some other way to intimidate him because he's going to be helping John and Sarah Connor now. So he has to be intimidated by the T-1000, and a liquid metal helps with that. The thousand-yard stare helps with that. And they made him speedy, you know? Yes, he's they, very they, quick. Arnold, as as the T-800, was never fast. Like, he just, he had the Jason Voorhees, um, you know, gait where he oh, just yeah, kind of walked slowly, and he'd eventually get to you. He's a, he'd find you. He's a fucking tank. But... But with Robert Patrick and the T-1000, he'd just fucking take off. Like, he'd, he'd catch you. Well, the same bolt out there. When he stole a helicopter and shit, motorcycles, like, he's he seems almost more creative. He reminded yes. me of, like, the T-800's like a grizzly bear, whereas the T-1000 is, you know, a giant like a forest cat. Uh, no, I, I think like a panther or a All jaguar. Right. Have you ever seen those videos where jaguars, like rip a crocodile out of the water by its neck. Why in the mean, world would I watch that video? It, it, shit's on Twitter all the time. <laughs> you see, you catch stuff when you're when you're scrolling, but that's what it reminds me of almost. And they really did a great job when they're wrestling and throwing each other through the walls in the mall. And just seeing him, you know, kind of pick up Arnold and throw him. It's like, oh, oh shit. It's yeah, deep. my wife and I watched Terminator Dark Fate a couple weeks ago. And it tried to bring in some of the same uh, elements of the T-1000. So it, it cut out Terminator 3, Terminator 4, Terminator 5, cut out all those. It just picked up right after T2, and it it kind of just did a continuation of the liquid metal type Terminator villain, which that was probably the strong suit of the movie, was adding in that liquid metal type Terminator. I think those are the coolest ones, which I, that kind of got lost in, in some of the other movies. That, I mean, they totally got abandoned because the in Terminator 3, I just I can't really put my finger on it. I just wasn't a fan, but I do like the liquid metal over the exoskeleton or whatever. I think that's mm-hmm. pretty fucking sweet. Um, I don't I don't know the actor who portrayed the new antagonist in this new one. I can't remember his name, but he did Ghost Rider. So I mean he's he's got a little bit of that weirdness to him. And I mean that's kind of cool to hear that they actually retconned a bunch of shit because yeah. Genesis was legitimately the worst fucking movie I ever saw it's in my very life. Very bad. It's very very bad. And they made some very questionable decisions with John Connor's character and the, Amelia Clark is just awful as anyone who's ever listened knows my feelings on her. Uh, so I'm going to get that bad taste out of my mouth and move on to my best new character, which is the Joker from the Dark Knight. Oh, uh, that's a a great pick. I just I couldn't do it. I could not do it. Well, I thought this was going to be really hard, and I started looking through my list of part two movies. And once I kind of looked through the list and I came across the Dark Knight, I was like, it's got to be the Joker. It's got to be. Um, T-1000 is a great pick, too. But the Joker just kind of took this movie in particular to a whole new level and Heath Ledger was amazing as the Joker and I really really miss Heath Ledger he was he's in so many movies that were just good and fun to watch which was kind of a staple of the late 90s early 2000s anyways like there's 10 things I hate about you a knight's tale Lords of Dogtown's really fun to watch like there's just 
he was just in these movies that you could sit back and have on the TV and enjoy. You didn't have yeah. to think too much about him. You didn't have to, you know, you you weren't worried about the the depth or the. It was a shallow you, plot usually. Yeah. It was just fun. It, it was, and and yeah, you just you just watched it and you had fun, and then you moved on with your life. Pretty much. Um, but he could he could also bring it and give you a top tier performance when he needed to in things like Brokeback Mountain and The Dark Knight. So, like, he was really, really good, and he was really just getting started on his path to being great. And it kind of sucks that he died shortly after this movie. It's terrible, and I, I think that I helps. guess he killed himself, but yeah. Well, I don't. I think he accidentally killed himself, but I, as far as I know, I who yeah, I who the fuck am I to say? But that was a performance. It definitely wasn't caused by becoming the Joker. Like that was he had already moved on to a different movie. He had been filming. Uh, uh, the imaginary Dr. Parnassus, Parnassus or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is a much lighter film than the dark Knight and the Joker and the dark Knight. So like he had moved past that and you know, he had other things going on in his life, obviously, but it, it was a lot of people like to attribute it to this because it happened right after the release of this movie. It was before. Kind of think... It was like two months before I want to say. No, I, I think it was like a week after. I don't recall. I know he was dead before the the award ceremony and stuff like yes, that. Yes, that's true. But I think people uh, it, it kind of hypes up the story. Yeah, and like yeah, people wanted to attribute it to that, but like this this movie was filmed probably a year and a half before it actually released. Like he lived almost two years after he was done being the Joker, even though the movie's still coming out. Like he's not living in that mind space anymore that he was when he was filming. Yeah, we um, hope not. I, I don't so think you could that. you could film the imaginarium of dr parnassus what whatever the fuck that movie's called i think you got it <laughs> i don't think you could film that and be in the headspace of the joker at the same time i don't think a, that's possible it'd be a fucked up performance yeah uh but anyway regardless of the actor adding the joker to the nolan verse was a no-brainer um when i first saw the dark knight i didn't actually realize it was connected to batman begins because um, like i saw batman begins when it first came out on dvd or whatever and like to me it was pretty forgettable and i just mostly forgot about it after i saw it. like it was fine it was it was an okay batman movie to, to me at that time in my life Brutal. like i i like it much more than i appreciated it then now yeah uh, for sure it grows but then you. like i saw the dark knight and i'm reading about it i'm like oh yeah this was i didn't know christian bale at the time like i probably hadn't seen him in anything else maybe i had seen uh the prestige but so I didn't know Christian Bale from anything else. So I didn't like connect that it was even the same actor because they were three years apart. And I'm just I like when I'm reading about the Dark Knight, I'm like, oh, that's actually part of this. And so after seeing the Dark Knight begins, Batman Begins felt so much better because of the existence of the Dark Knight. Like the Dark Knight made Batman Begins a better movie. Oh, dude, 100 percent. Because how do you build upon Ra's al Ghul being defeated? I mean, you bring in a character like the Joker, and they set it up perfectly in Batman Begins. They well, really fucking did. I, I just don't... Ra's al Ghul and the Scarecrow weren't really formidable enough villains for what Bale's Batman could be. I think they were good for, like, okay, he's just starting out Batman, but if we had to continue down the Ra's al Ghul path in The Dark Knight, I think it would have fallen short. Like, it wouldn't have had the impact that the Joker brought to that. No, and it would have been an empty role... As yeah. well, if uh, Heath Ledger didn't turn in a performance of a lifetime. 
Yeah, I I don't think you could throw um, when I say the regardless of the actor, I don't think you could throw Robert Patrick in there, you know, just any old actor off the street, but I think any big name, I think Nolan could have gotten the best out of anyone he chose to be in that role. I th- I think a lot of that had to go with Nolan and a lot of it had to do with Heath Ledger and yeah, Heath Ledger I mean, really committed to it and brought it. But I think Nolan if even if it wasn't Heath Ledger, I think Nolan would have brought it out in some other way with a different actor as well. Yeah, I just don't know if their version would have been portrayed as well as Heath Ledger's. Because I mean, no, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be held up as that. the best Joker performance out there. I mean, you, you see what Jared, Jared Leto, Leto oh, did with it. And, fucking yeah. awful. Uh, but the the Joker in these movies made Batman become a better Batman. Like, he, he couldn't continue with the simple things he was doing in Batman Begins he need if if the villains were going to be better he needed to be better himself and he became that through the introduction of the joker which was a really cool thing yeah joker was fucking big time that was a whole next level and it kind of showed that he could actually handle it absolutely all right do we have honorable mentions i am going to skip the honorable mention for best new character cuz you kind of mentioned got... it I've got Roman Pierce, Too Fast, Too Furious. I can't you were go anywhere without mentioning Tyrese, my favorite Fast and Furious family member. I love Roman. He's great, and he's great for these movies. I, you know, but he's he's not a he's not the Joker. He sucks. Right? <laughs> he, he fucking blows. No, I, awesome. oh, you bite your so tongue. Yeah. I will find a new co-host if I have to. <laughs> he's for real people. He will. Uh, Nightcrawler in X2. Oh yes, Which, that character. That's char- a I, great pick. I don't know that the character is that great, but that first fucking scene in the White House oh my is God, great so enough to get him mentioned here. You know, dude, that shit damn near brought tears to my dad's eyes because I was, he, that was like so his cool. favorite character growing up, and we went and saw it together, of course. And I just remember looking at him, and it was just a, a pure awe on his face. It was awesome to see. It was, it was dope. I wasn't ever that big into X Men as a kid. But I think I've told this before. Uh, we were 16 when X2 came out and the second Matrix movie came out. And my friends and I, we wanted to go see the Matrix movie, but it's rated R and we didn't have a parent with it. Like, we just wanted to go by ourselves. Um, so we, But we couldn't get into it. So we bought tickets for X2 and the Matrix 2 started like 10 minutes later. So we went into X2 and we were going to sit there and then we were going to sneak across into the Matrix, right? Everybody's done that. Or not, you know, come lock me up, police. <laughs> anyway, I'm fucking calling so right now, bro. I'm not a huge fan of X Men. I don't really. I like. I know Nightcrawler exists. I think I had played with him in like Marvel vs. Capcom at some point, something like that. You know, whatever. I watch that scene, and first of all, I'm like, well, I don't want to go to the Matrix anymore. I want to sit and watch this movie because that was fucking awesome. The first ten really minutes is. of the movie, right? So amazing. And because of that scene, Nightcrawler became my favorite X Man. Oof. Yeah. I mean, he's top five for me. Yeah, I, I've always loved the X Men. And and then I got one time sneaking back and like I had to go to the bathroom after at one point in the Matrix and I got stuck and had to go back and watch X two. So that first time I saw like half of each movie <laughs> and didn't see all of either movie and that was fucking terrible. Just get an adult to go with you and buy the tickets. Come on, makes life easier. Yeah. Um, and then I also wanted to mention any of the Junior Goodwill Games players from D2 The Mighty Ducks. You got Aberman the Cowboy, Julia the Cat Gaffney, uh, Mendoza, who can't stop, and the Knuckle Puck Kid, played by Keenan Thompson, but I don't remember his name in the movie. All those guys were fantastic. 
I didn't really watch D2. What? Yes. All right, we got to stop this right now. Nick, go watch D2. Come back. Because all of all of the awards you give out are null and void if you haven't seen D2 The Mighty Ducks. That's fair. That's fair. Because it should win every single award, to be honest. Isn't that with Emilio Estevez? Oh, yeah. You haven't seen is... any of The Mighty Ducks movies? I've seen them, but it's probably been 15 years, 20 years or some shit like that. All right, I'm officially in search for a new co-host now. First, the Roman Pierce slander, and now no Mighty Ducks. Plus, there's a cartoon out there you could watch where they're like alien fighting karate ducks that play hockey. That I did have action figures of back in the day. I remember those. Those guys were dope. I think they had them at uh, Burger King at one point, too, as like the Happy Meal toys. Something like that. Anyway, let's go to Twitter. Let's do it. We asked... On our Twitter poll, at APA something, who is the best new character added in part two of a movie series? Uh, the options were Stinky Pete from Toy Story 2, Roman Pierce, obviously, from Too Fast, Too Furious, The Joker from The Dark Knight, and other comments. Uh, Stinky Pete had 15.3% of the vote. Roman Pierce up there with 4.2% of the vote. <laughs> Somebody is out there, ride or die with me in Roman Pierce. Actually, I did the math. Because there are 72 total votes, 4.2% is three people are with me. And I didn't vote on this poll myself, so three people are with me on Roman Pierce. Shout out to you three people. <laughs> you guys are ride or die buds yeah, now. Definitely ride or die. Uh, Joker from The Dark Knight <laughs> took this running away 73.6%. Uh, was not a very difficult poll, as uh, Tennis Podcast at Tennis Pod points <laughs> yeah, out. Might be the easiest poll ever. You know, I said, yeah, Roman Pierce is clearly the best character. I don't I don't obviously i almost blocked you i almost did it (laughs) my phone the couch guardians podcast at savvy sloth uh gives a gif of joker saying and here we go this is great such a fucking great line it's every fucking every you could gif every scene of his in that movie and put it up here except maybe the one of him like terrorizing that fake batman that they do on the news, you know, where he, like, captures one of those fake Batman who That's go out there scary. and... Yeah. That, don't give that yeah. part, but any other scene he's in. Yeah, you could do that. The look at me would be perfect. That's true. Anyway. Uh, Word Salad Radio. At Word Salad Radio gives a vote for Lando from Empire Strikes Back, which is a great, great pick. That is a great pick. I didn't, like... Empire Strikes Back completely went out of my mind in this for some reason because I was so focused on Joker. Uh, I it, Not for the whole awards, just for this particular award. And I wanted to give Empire Strikes Back a different award. So Yeah. Uh, Grief Burrito, at Grief Burrito, gives a T-1000, just like you. hey with, with that stare. You are my fucking homie. Got another vote for Lando Calrissian from John from Married with Comics at MWC underscore podcast. Take a knee for Marvel vs. DC at knee for Marvel vs. DC. Gets a vote for Black Widow in Iron Man 2. She was looking fine in that movie. She, she, she was good in Iron Man 2. I have not liked her in any other Avengers movie. Like, uh, There's just something about ScarJo. Like, doesn't do it for me. She's She was smoking in that movie. Good lord. They, t- well, they yeah, toned From it a down look a standpoint, ton. she does it for me. But, like, I, I, Black Widow, like, I just... Not a fan in the Marvel movies. I'm sorry, Black Widow. Nothing. I'll go see Black Widow still, but I just like I don't care that much about her. Yeah, that's fair. Greg T at Greg T13. Yoda 
fucking Yoda. How do we not mention Yoda? Because we tr- we're trying to not be there all is about no Star try. Wars. There is no try. There is do no or do, do not. I mean, Yoda's kind of a piece of shit too, though. Like, <laughs> he covered up a lot of information that would have been helpful to a lot of people. He's Dumbledore, but two foot tall and green. Uh, he's worse than Dumbledore, I feel like. Uh, Dumbledore, I always felt like he had a reason for covering the thing. Like, he always planned on revealing everything at some point, And he just needed to wait for Harry to be ready for the information he needed to give him. Yoda's just like, fuck it, I'm not going to tell you anything. And it's that way in the prequels. It's that way with Luke. And then and then he comes back in The Last Jedi, and he's like, yeah, we did a lot of shit wrong. Yeah. Yeah, my bad. Oops, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Real Talk Movie Podcast at Real underscore cast. Gotta got to vote for uh, Hicks from Aliens. Game over, man. Game over. Game over, man. Game over. Good movie. Will come up later in these awards, I guarantee it. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. Cryptid Cartography Podcast at Cryptid underscore podcast. Stinky Pete threw a dang wrench in my little self's hopes and dreams for a good two hours in that movie. Luckily, it all worked out. But sheesh. I don't really know what he means by that. Like, the movie needed a villain. Stinky Pete was a solid villain for the toys. Well, he was, like, an actual villain because you had to go from Sid and his toys to, like, an actual toy. Like a toy, yeah. You needed a toy that was a villain. And, like, they had Emperor Zurg, who is just, like, this figurehead. And, like, he's evil because he's evil. And he, you know, his mission is to destroy Buzz Lightyear, but that's all that there is to him. But with Stinky Pete, like, there was depth to his villainous. Like, he wanted to be preserved forever and was willing to do anything he could to make that happen. Some cult shit. Yeah. So thank you for everyone who participated in Twitter. Uh, Again, we usually do a poll before we record. That's at APA something. Check those out every Wednesday um, and vote and get a shout out if you leave a comment. You can also follow Nick at alone underscore podcast on Twitter. Yeah. Let's move on to the next award now, which is the best world building edition. And I've got a great one for you. Back to the Future 2, going 30 years into the future. Hmm. I gotta admit something, first and foremost. You haven't seen Back to the Future? I haven't seen Back to the Future. Jesus Christ. What is wrong with you? I haven't seen Back to the Future either. Oh my god. Alright, we're gonna have to stop again. (laughs) Nick's gonna go watch these movies. Oops, sorry. The longest recording session of our life here. Nick's got to keep stopping. This is six hours we're at now of stopping for you to go watch movies. Oops, sorry. It's fucking two o'clock in the morning. It's just uh, Luckily, I don't have to work tomorrow. <laughs> Woo! So, in Back to the Future 2, they go 30 years into the future. Uh, Back to the Future 1 is basically a perfect movie even now 35 years after it was released it's still pretty perfect um i it's really hard to expand on something that's so great but to get there you don't need roads where we're going and doc brown it's really hard to do this with you haven't seen the movie you're not going to get anything i'm talking about anyway doc brown takes marty into the future um it it was a cool thing in the late 80s or like when i saw it in the mid 90s and it still is cool to kind of look into what they thought the future could look like from the late 80s to what they thought 2015 was going to look like but yeah it I mean, also kind of gave us huh i saw a lot of cracked articles and shit like that 
So well, if, yeah. In, in 2015, just... anybody who had a computer wrote an article about everything that they got right and wrong in Back to the Future 2. I get that. But you got to watch the – you just got to go watch the movie. I'll give it a shot at some point. No, maybe. Don't give it a shot. Watch I it. Heard, I heard it's fine. Oh, my God. Don't fine. watch Back to the Future 3. <laughs> It's back to the Future 3 is a waste of time. Then huh? I was going to go back to the future and watch the first one. Yeah. Anyway, going into the future, in Back to the Future 2, it gave us a barometer of what we needed to achieve technology-wise over the next 30 years. Like, this released in, like, 1989. We got 30 years to make it to 2015, 2019. We got to get some of this shit. Hoverboards, 3D yeah, movie say. posters, flying cars, time travel, robot waiters. Elijah Wood is there playing an old arcade game. Self-tying shoes. Self-tying shoes? We didn't really get most of this stuff. They did do... Nike did a limited release of those self-tying shoes, though, in 2015. I remember that. I do remember that. I really wanted some, but they were 150 bucks, and at that point in my life, like, uh, my first daughter had just been born, so, like, I wasn't about to go spend $150 on self-tying shoes. Yeah, fucking... Might have to look them up now, though. Yeah, I bet you can get some on eBay. Imagine uh, coming home and you're just like, hey, honey, uh, I dropped a couple dollars on these shoes. Well, we always oh, make fun of my brother because he's a big Jordans guy and he's spending, you know, two two fifty on these Jordans whenever new ones come out. And we're like, why? What's the point? Yeah, I don't, but get, I, it. I don't get it. Self-tying shoes are way cooler than Jordans. That's fucking tight. That's like Google Glass. Google Glass would have been so cool if, like, they didn't make them look so fucking doofy. Yeah. Doofy? Yeah, doofy. Sir doofy. Uh, so not only did we get to see their vision of what the future would be, but they also added in this movie, they added a lot to the time travel mechanics in Back to the Future 2 and kind of helped explain kind of some of the temporal displacement issues within this universe. You know, they, they expanded the time travel rules, which is important in time travel movies. As far as I know, they made it presentable, which, I mean, yeah, that's a good no, thing. They do you have to job. have it. Plus the DeLorean gotta have that shit if you're gonna time travel why not do it in style i mean that car is dope it's a piece of shit but it's dope i i mean you gotta watch back to the future and back to the future too and mighty ducks and mighty ducks too can skip the third parts there's a reason we're not doing part three movie superlatives yeah no shit that would be a little tough those would all be succulatives Yes, there are very Iron Man few 3. part threes. Uh, like you got Captain America: Civil War, Return of the Jedi. You could probably give some stuff out for uh, Revenge of the Sith. You could get out there. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean three, maybe. It's got Obble. some solid parts. Yeah. yeah. Alien three. I'll ride for <sighs> Alien three. I like mm. it. It's got Charles Dance in there, man. Anyway, what was your best world building edition? My best world building. The world building edition is the Necromongers from the Chronicles of Riddick. Uh, I have never seen seen the Chronicles of Riddick. You motherfucker. Or Um, Pitch Black or any of those films. Okay, so uh, Riddick is a race called – he's the last known person from a race called the Furians, which were exterminated by the Necromongers. Who are basically Sounds super like, interesting. Yeah, there's not some, nerdy at all. No, dude. I mean, you would love it. It's a really neat Vin sci-fi. He, ride or die for Vin for this movie. But it's like it, I it's probably a would like sci-fi it. adventure. I just yeah, I haven't gone back to it. Well, it's got Carl Urban in it too. He's like one of okay. the main villains, and they're like a weird 
death cult kind of thing almost so like a death armada with super cool armor guns and swords and knives and shit so it's uh they're like backstory and they're just really good uh you know they push the plot along so you can develop more and more stuff like they have you know it's almost like throwing a stone in a pond they just so much develops off their introduction that it just makes the story so much bigger and better in my opinion yeah and good part twos are best at that that that's one of the main things that a part two has to do it has to expand the lore of the world you're living in otherwise why do you have a part two if you spend all of part two in the exact same space that you spent all of part one part two doesn't need to exist pretty much but they'll always do it for capitalism, baby. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that there aren't part twos that do that. But they don't... It, it, those part twos usually aren't very good. Cheaper by the dozen, too. I forgot that existed. My wife, uh, when she did her trivia night last night, uh, some like when I get questions wrong sometimes, she sends them to me to see if I would get them. And it was like, one of the questions was... Uh, what movie series is whatever this character's name is it's Liam Neeson's character from Taken uh, but they just said the character name and I'm like oh I don't know who that is and they're like she was like oh it's a it's a trilogy and I'm like oh shit I have no idea and then she told me it was Taken I'm like I don't recognize Taken as a trilogy it's one movie there's the third the other two do not exist huh there's a third Taken yeah there's three I had no fucking idea I knew there was a second one, but... I don't think I ever saw the third one. I definitely saw the second one. That's baloney. Yeah. All right. Are ready to move on to the next award? Let's do it. For best genre shift. You go first here. This is... Was like one of the easiest ones for me. It's Lethal Weapon 2. Hands down. 100%. It shifted from this grounded, kind of straight, hard action movie to... uh, you know, a little more out there, way more of a comedy movie than than much popcorn of anything. action comedy type thing. Exactly. Something you'd see the rock like, in nowadays. Or you know, or Chris Tucker back in the early two thousands. It's a, mm-hmm. uh, it's really fucking funny at points. You know, diplomatic immunity. I can't do the the fucking accent, but it's. I've terrible. never seen any of the Lethal Weapon films, dude. So you're sitting here watching Lethal Weapon in your childhood, and I'm watching Mighty Ducks. Yes, exactly. That's- my, I mean, my dad let me watch weird shit. <laughs> Not good movies for me, but le- it, I enjoyed it. I think that was uh, they had such comedic talent between those two. Uh, you know, Mel Gibson and whatever his name is, I can't remember. Danny Glover. Is it Danny Glover? It's it Danny is Glover. Danny Glover. Yeah. Um, they just they had great chemistry. They the storyline was okay enough. They propelled it forward, and their relationship went more comedic, which just drug the rest of the film along with it so mm-hmm. i was really surprised to, to have such a high octane action movie with action stars that was funny but you know, mel gibson's pretty fucking funny he can be especially if he's got someone good to play off of and then and and this i think kind of set him down a path to do like a bunch of rom-coms and like weird kind of cheesy comedy movies what women want things like that where they're trying to make him the funny guy rather than giving him someone funny to play off and be funny with. And I I don't know that that works as good with him, but Danny Glover, he's always been a comedic actor. So throwing Danny Glover with Mel Gibson, it allows Mel Gibson to be funnier in relation to Danny Glover, you know? Oh, that's yeah. That's the only way he works because he's so 
he's weird, man. He's uh, also an anti-Semite, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a weird's piece a, of shit. Weird's a nice way to say it. Well, in in his funny is just like when he's being outrageous, like when he's being yes. wild-eyed and crazy and shit. Yes. That's when he's cracking I, me up. I like the idea of for like these buddy cop movies, and we will have buddy cop movie superlatives at some point because that's a great subgenre on its own. Um, I like it that you know it starts off basically Die Hard and then shifts into Rush Hour. Like that's that's kind of that that's a good shift. It is a good shift. It is was meant to be for the franchise. It did. It and good. I mean, Die Hard even kind of did the same thing if you think about it. like Die Hard got lighter and lighter as the series went on, and because it's it's hard to just be straight action movie after straight action movie after i take and tried it the second movie yeah. is forgettable and the third movie like nobody even realizes it exists right me included rambo yeah, exactly it's another one rambo rocky like rocky had to rocky one and rocky two were presented as kind of straight boxing serious we're going to tell a good story and then in rocky three we get a little bit lighter when you bring clubber lang and you bring in hulk hogan as you know thunder lips to wrestle him rocky <laughs> four were just off the fucking reservation going to russia and having this steroided out guy kill apollo creed spoilers <laughs> rocky five like yeah, doesn't even get mentioned him. and he then rocky six they bring it back and, and reground it and then you go into creed where like you could start this whole process over hopefully we don't get a string of shitty ass movies i mean if michael b jordan's in them i'm, I'm good for it yeah i'm right at rocky three and rocky four still rocky stand is up my like, favorite they, i love they, rocky four they get a little crazy, but like they're still fun to watch. They get crazy in a way where you you still want to see what happens, and they they make them crazy in a entertaining way, not in a bad way. Most definitely. And Creed Two was already a lot worse than Creed One, so I I want to say like if if you're going to, you need to somehow bring in Clubber Lang's son. Like you need to to up that kind of silly factor in these movies to kind of keep them entertaining in some way. Agreed. All right, so my best genre shift. I created this category in these movie superlatives just so I could give it to this movie, and it's Aliens. Ooh, because they went from horror to action, right? I got, I gotta say that was one of the my uh, my runner-ups was Aliens. Should have been. Um, you know, usually these complete genre shifts they don't work that well. I think we gave pretty two good two pretty good examples, but when you try and go too far, um, it it doesn't always work right, you know. But holy shit, oh, man. Alien it... and Aliens are two great movies, and both are great because they explore their different genres perfectly in in the perfect way they need to. Alien, you've got, it's basically Jaws or Halloween in space, and every moment is just dripping with tension, and as the viewer, you're sometimes legitimately scared that the characters, and to some extent you, are not going to make it out alive. You know, original drafts for this script had Ripley not making it out alive as well as everybody else. Like, the alien was supposed to bite her head off and deliver the final message in her voice. Damn, I didn't know that. But then you can't make sequels if you do that. That's true. If you kill everyone. I mean, you could if the alien is now your main character. If if it's just a movie. If if it's a series following aliens. I mean, we saw Alien vs. Predator and Alien vs. Predator 2. It's not as good if they're your main characters. No, it's not cool. Ripley's fucking iconic, and you can't replace her for anything. Uh, so then you bring in aliens, and Ripley travels to a planet infected with xenomorphs all over the place, and she leads a band of space marines in a war, straight-up war against the xenomorphs. Um, every beat, 
matches what a normal war movie would perfectly. It's on on Aliens, you basically get Saving Private Ryan or the Patriot in space. You know, you've got so this. Perfect. Yeah, you've you've got these uh, guerrilla warfare tactics applied to an alien race now, and you have to destroy them somehow. Um, if if it were me, I prefer Alien over Aliens. Um, but both are perfect movies, and anyone who says otherwise is just an idiot. Oh, dude, I agree 100. percent I think it's some. I prefer Terminator over T2. Uh, I do too. Yeah, Everyone says the same thing. T2 is better. I, I I like T1 better. T1 is better in my opinion. I think Alien is better than Aliens just because it's. They're, I think so they're tighter movies good. because yes. they were made. They were made by themselves. They weren't made to set up a sequel. They weren't made as part of a franchise. They weren't made to expand the world. The sequels, while good and and still really great movies, they had to fit pieces into what the first ones laid groundwork for, and yes. they suffer a little bit from that. Well, I mean, I think people have that initial burst of creativity, and I I don't know if it's always the same. You know, after like it, when you write something as brilliant as T1, it's really tough to you know you just don't have a well that's as deep as it was before. Well, that's so kind of what I think. Going going into writing that first thing, whether it's a book or a movie or a narrative podcast, you you have all of these ideas and. All the ideas that you have for how the aliens work or how the the people interact on the ship or like just these quirky things that each character could do, they don't all always make it into the final draft, right? Because you have a thousand ideas and only 600 can fit in, right? 100%. So then when you're going, yeah, okay, part one was great, big success, let's make a part two. You've, you've still got 400 ideas, right? Right. So now you're trying to take those 400 ideas and tell a different story. Those 400 ideas fit into the original thousand, but they don't necessarily fit into the new 600 that you need for part two. So, but you're still trying to fit them in because you like them so much. So you're trying to stuff things in that got wasted in the first part, and and it it gets muddled more than your first part does. It's just not as tight narratively. Most definitely, and it's not 100% your best stuff. To feel right. like your early shit when you're really like when you're belting it out, dude, it's your best stuff. It it happens the same with uh, musicians and bands. Is their first oh, album oh, yeah. is always the best because they've been working on it for their entire lives, and then the label comes along and says, "Okay, great, that was a success. Do the same thing in a year now." Yeah, highly suspect is that band. Their first yep. album was great. Their next two were not good. Yep. Um, it, it's it's weird that I like Alien better than Aliens because normally I would prefer an action movie or over a horror movie, but I I think they just do such a great job of building that tension in Alien that it's hard to pass up. It's perfect because it's not like a slasher, you know, gut wrenching I mean, horror movie. It kind of is. I it's not like the tension is just yes, so palpable. It's it's, it's closer to Halloween than Scream, right? In terms of how the kills are being portrayed. Yeah. It's um, like, Riding a roller coaster almost. Uh, there's there's a lonely stalker hidden in the shadows somewhere that you have to always be watching out for. Yeah, it's it's tough. And then on the other hand, you have Aliens, which if you made a list of top top twenty five action movies and you left off Aliens, again you're a huge idiot. <laughs> I'd I'd even say it's probably you're a piece in top of ten. Shit. Yeah, that I fucking hate. <laughs> and Aliens is perfect as an action or a war movie, and I. In my mind, it holds up against any other movie from action or war genres. 
you get some great dumb action moments like the aforementioned game over man game over you get great combat you get a great mission that the heroes have to accomplish even though you know they accomplish that and it's undone immediately in part three that's a different story we're not doing part three movie superlatives it's it hits every beat that an action movie needs to hit or a war movie needs to hit in the same way that alien hit every beat that a horror movie needed to hit it was a masterpiece yes thank you ridley scott yeah, dude, for real. And I mean, Prometheus, underrated. I think I I, I like Prometheus. I, I liked it. I liked Alien Covenant. It wasn't great. I liked Prometheus better than Alien Covenant. Did but not see Alien that. Covenant was still good. Like I still want to see what happens next in the Alien franchise. Like I'm always here for the Alien franchise. Hundred percent, dude. There's so except Alien vs Predator. I even watched Those the ones. shit out of that back in the day. Those are good dumb action movies of just like yeah. let's w- watch some people fucking die for two hours. Pretty much, and you know people work with the predator and weird dumb shit go down. There's yeah. no world building; it's all just stupid. Yeah, but that's fine. I'm I'm okay with that. Waste right. a little time here here and there with those movies. What do you got for runner-ups here? I got Ten Cloverfield Lane. It was a surprise runner-up. I don't know if you've seen that. I have not. I've seen Cloverfield. Oh, bro. Ten What's Cloverfield the genre Lane. shift there? The genre shift is, you know, a big monster movie to a psychological thriller. Okay. Because they're in a bunker, basically, with, uh, you know, it's three yeah, people they're in like, a bunker. They're just in their bunker, and they hear everything going on outside, right? They never see what's going on. They like If they it wasn't really... called Ten Cloverfield Lane, you wouldn't know it was connected to Cloverfield. Is that correct? You... I don't want to spoil anything, but you will by you the can. end. You can. I'm not going to watch it. You will by the end. Basically, it's the entire movie. You have no idea it's part of the same world. Um, but John Goodman, his character is he owns this bunker and and took in a, a young female and a young male, and it's basically like you know the aliens attacked. It's crazy out there, and they think he's crazy. And eventually, the young female escapes, and then as soon as she gets outside, she realizes oh fuck the aliens really did come and it's connected yeah. to cloverfield gotcha it's it and was I, a surprise sequel i want to say i awesome. read somewhere that that scene was tacked on to make sure people understood it was part of cloverfield the cloverfield verse i wouldn't have known until they yeah. but that kind of was just the icing on the cake because john goodman's performance was so fucking good it was unbelievable i might have to check that out that's on netflix right i think so I thought it was a Netflix movie, like it was released to Netflix. I could be wrong. That's the Cloverfield Paradox, which was fucking oh. awful. Do not okay. waste your time. Don't watch that, that one. I got you. Terrible. Um, all right, so let's move on to the next. Was that your only runner-up, or did you have another? That Well, I mentioned Aliens was my runner-up for best genre shift. Okay. So I think we said what we needed I to. I mentioned it by giving it the award, so. There you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next award is Most Devastating Lost Character. And again, can't make a good sequel without killing off a character from the first movie can't do it you can't do it uh so mine i went straight for the jugular here han solo Empire yeah, Strikes Back. you motherfucker i picked the same thing that's such an easy pick and i uh, dude yeah. i agree 100 percent. it's han solo yeah. we didn't know he was gonna come back right well they didn't know he was gonna come back he you know there's an added layer to this because harrison ford hadn't renewed his contract for a third movie he didn't know if he wanted to come back lucas didn't know none of the creators knew so, like, they put him on ice literally because Harrison Ford might not come back. And I think that is what makes the impact of his, uh, I can't call it a death, but 
his uh, carbonite freezing that it makes that impact so heavy. They yeah, had that, to. That was a gut hitter. They had to write into the movie a way to make it feel like he really wouldn't come back. Usually, if you see a character die in part two and you know there's going to be a part three, you pretty much assume that that character's coming back. The death isn't going to be permanent. And to be fair, it wasn't actually permanent here, but no one knew that at the end of Empire Strikes Back. No, and I mean, they they culminated it with the best line ever. You know, I know. That is just so amazing. That was perfect. He's a badass. Uh, He's instantly a fan favorite after the first Star Wars movie. Uh, you know, he's just a lovable scoundrel with a heart of gold that is willing to help his friends when they're in need. It also, his death or his carbonite freezing raised a lot of additional questions if he doesn't come back. Like, do Luke and Leia actually become love interests now? Does Luke end up having a different... Is Leia not Luke's sister? Which was one of the original plans. He was going to have some sister on some distant planet not connected to the rest of the story. Um, you know, who leads the assault down on Endor? What happens with Lando and Chewie? Like, how do they fit in without Han there? Do they give a shit if Han's not around? No, do we it get work. the badass scene on Jabba's uh, pleasure yacht out there? Mm-hmm. Does Boba Fett live with no Han? No. Slave Leia doesn't exist. There's a lot of things if Harrison Ford doesn't come back. I, I gotta have Slave Leia. Gotta. That's frowned upon to say that now. It's too hot. It's very demeaning. It's too hot. Yeah. Uh, You know, Hans, he's got to become Luke's best friend. He's got to become the love interest for Leia. And he was just gone. He's the bad boy. Off to Jabba's palace, potentially never to be seen or heard from again. I don't think that Star Wars could have prevailed as long as it has without Han being in every movie. Or at least being in the periphery. Uh, Right. You know, he's definitely a force in every movie, for sure. Like, he's he's a legendary character. Like, if if Han doesn't come back and he's not in Return of the Jedi, Return of the Jedi isn't as good a movie as it is. If Han doesn't ever come back, Kylo Ren doesn't exist. I mean, he exists, but not as part of that family tree. No, uh, yeah, exactly. We, we don't get the Solo movie, which you and I will argue is a good, fun movie to watch. I love because, that movie. Because if he dies and Empire Strikes Back, nobody gives a shit where he came from anymore. Yeah, it's... uh. Well, I mean, it just, it doesn't matter. I think it it would take away from his legendary status for sure. Yes. It, yeah, if he's not in all three of those movies and then doesn't exist, you know, for this new trilogy as well. He'd be like C-3PO. I think he would just kind of fade into the background. Like, 3PO is a big favorite, but not as much as R2. Right. And he, I he's think he's been in every... Shit. Yeah, he is annoying as shit. Or Jar Jar. Jar Jar just fell off the map because he wasn't in part three. That poor guy. Poor guy. What do you have for the most devastating lost character? I picked Han Solo too. Oh yeah, you told me that. I did. Good job. I listen. Don't worry. Yeah, totally. I mean, we're <laughs> definitely on the same wavelength. <laughs> I, I did have a runner-up for this. Uh, Gwen Stacy in The Amazing Spider-Man Two. She had to die here, but it was fucking hard to watch. It was the hard to watch. Scene is perfect it's as devastating as it is in the comics it's got the little snap at the end where you don't know if she died anyways or peter snapped her neck when he caught her it's it's hard to watch it's i that's a great pick 
I'll it, ride for the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Like Jamie Foxx as Electro had some issues. That was my biggest issue. Well, and bro, some issues. What Gr- them? Green Ugh. Green Goblin was a little rough. Like the look of him. I liked Dane DeHaan and I liked him Harry becoming Green Goblin. I just didn't like that look. Right? Was no, it was more mutations and, that, and shit. That like was that. kind of the same thing with Jamie Foxx's Electro. Like I think Electro could have been cool if he wasn't Doctor Manhattan. Well, they took it ultimate level yeah, like ultimate spider-man had a lot of those weird styles mutations yeah, yeah instead of guys in costumes they were weird mutations and things like that Correct. and i get that but i i like those movies i like andrew garfield and emma stone in those roles and it was just really hard to watch and andrew garfield was perfect in his reactions to it and yeah it's yeah this show was visceral dude. you felt it you felt it yeah it hurt it hurt her too yeah no shit her head is aching all right, best part three setup, the final award. This was the easiest choice for me. I knew it as soon as I looked at the questions. It's the two towers, bro. Okay. After after the Battle of Helm's Deep, that little glimmer of hope in this massive war is just so front and center. And I mean, man prevailed, dude. They brought to life. It was brought to life by an alliance of elves, men, and a, a dwarf. Um. And it just and a wizard the, and a wizard and the villains and you know the Urukai are just such a great antagonist. Helm's Deep is such a great setting. That was such an epic fucking battle, and I think they did it so well and in such a way that you know stringing the story along in the two towers, you know, or at least pacing it out between different characters. That with part three, it's just they were able to deliver like it was it was an amazing moment and they did a great job with it but it still left you know there was still room to grow and they did that with the, you know the battle of pelinor fields and stuff and the you know the storming of gondor it when two towers ends you want to immediately roll into the return of the king like 100% you, dude and and now that you can do that with dvds and digital and everything like that it's great I didn't watch Lord of the Rings when they were in the movie. I Historically, I went to the first one and walked out halfway through because it was so fucking boring. But it gets better in the second half. I didn't know that till ten years later. It gets much uh, better, yes. Yeah, the first half of the of Fellowship of the Ring is one of the most boring hour and a half of movies I've ever sat through. It's a little dry. Yeah. <laughs> But it picks up, and then Two Towers ramps it up even more, and then you hit the end of Two Towers, and you want to roll right into Return of the King. I've only seen all three movies one time all the way through. That's why I couldn't pick that here, just because like I don't have that the the memory of it of how great the end. Like I I just don't remember scene for scene enough of it. I need to do a rewatch of it. I just don't really have nine hours to set aside to do that because I know there are movies like that. Is if you get through the first hour and a half of fellowship of the ring you're gonna to want to watch the next eight hours of these movies without stopping 100 percent possible it's helpful that my wife loves lord of the rings too like every once in a while we'll just pop it on and get caught watch i've seen the two towers probably a hundred times not that many at least well, 50 it's, it's not like they're pg-13 but they're not really violent enough where you're worried that okay if my kid walks in at any moment i gotta i gotta pause this well, there's, there's really no blood. It's violent yeah. as fuck. There's just no blood. 
I've been watching the league, uh, doing a rewatch of the league from Ooh, yeah. FX, and uh, that that's show. that's one like if I'm sitting there eating lunch or dinner and one of my kids walks in, I got like hit the pause real quick, even though it's it's a normal you know cable sitcom. I still don't want them walking in with some of the shit these guys say. They talk about coming a lot. Yeah, they really do. <laughs> a shit ton. And anytime Rafi's on the screen, it's just like immediate mute. Yeah, and sodomy and shit like that is all about it. <laughs> but uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, the first six uh, Star Wars movies are kind of that same way, where the, the, the adult content's there, but it's not too in your face where you're like you're immediately reaching for the remote if your kid walks in. Uh, the the latest trilogy of Star Wars, they get a little bit more violent and not necessarily violent, but menacing. That's a good way a lot of it. menacing scenes where like it's dark. Kylo Ren's kind of growling at things, or Captain Phasma's there, and it's just like like kids will be fine seeing this. It's not going to scar them for life, but it might scare them. Yeah, they'll probably dream about it. Yeah. So like though like I watched Rise of Skywalker with my daughter when it came out on DVD. And, like, there were moments, although it's not a very good movie, there were moments where I was like, she might legitimately get scared at this, of, like, Dark Ray and uh, any any scene on Exegol. Like, I was, she might be afraid of this stuff. And I checked with her, and she was fine throughout it. Good deal. She also noticed that it wasn't very good, I guess. <laughs> oh, man. Perfect. Kids are so great. So you mentioned Two Towers, and I want to give it, this isn't my pick, but I want to give a shout-out to The Desolation of Smog. Uh, from the Hobbit trilogy, Yo. because it left me, the ending of Desolation of Smog left me wanting to immediately see whatever the third Hobbit movie was. The first Hobbit movie was boring as fuck. It was not good. Most of the Desolation of Smog was not good, but the last 45 minutes was fantastic. And I was like, okay, I'm in. Let me get the third movie right now. And then, like, the first five minutes of the third movie are good, and the rest of it's just trash. Oh, fuck that whole trilogy. I thought, get, I thought The Hobbit was pretty good, dude, but the second one was poop, and the third one was pee. You got 50 minutes of solid movie out of nine hours of movies. <laughs> and I wonder how much he made off that shit. A, a lot, lot of fucking money. A lot. And he did not give a shit about any of it. He didn't want to do it. He tried to tell them he didn't want to do it. They didn't want to listen. Yeah, no. So for my actual award, I'm going with X2 X-Men United with the Phoenix storyline setup. Do you not remember this? No, I I hundred percent remember the Phoenix storyline setups, but it was a. I, I'm biased I liked with the part way, three. So I'm not talking about the whole movie, and I'm not talking about how Phoenix was capped off in part three. I'm talking about the last fifteen minutes of X two, where Jean Grey dies. Um, it's a very clear setup to bring her back as Phoenix slash Dark Phoenix, one of the best characters and storylines in X Men comics. And you don't. It's it's like. Gwen Stacy. You don't make Gwen Stacy Peter Parker's love interest if you're not going to kill her. You don't kill Jean Grey if you don't have a plan for Phoenix, right? 100%. Yeah, you're right. And then you also don't bring in Phoenix Force without actually killing Jean Grey. I'm looking at you, X-Men Dark Phoenix with a fucking space cloud. That was a bad movie. That's how they do it in the comics. They do it with a space cloud or they kill her? I thought they killed her. In the new one. In the space comics? She's basically oh. she's dead already, but the Phoenix Force still comes and there uh, Cyclops, Colossus, Jean Grey is resurrected and then, in the original uh, Dark Phoenix storyline or a, a new one? New one. The original oh. Dark Phoenix storyline, it's like a cosmic entity. Right. That possesses her. 
But doesn't she die first? No. I thought she did. All right. See, I'm not a good X-Men person. Anyway, none of that matters. And so the setup comes, and a lot of people miss this when watching X2 for the first time in theaters, that the jet is leaving Alkali Lake with the rest of the X-Men, and there's just the shadow of the Phoenix in the reflection of the lake as the X-Jet flies over it. And it's, it's a really cool shot, and like I said, it was lost on almost everyone when the movie first came out. It was one of those things that when X3 came out, everybody was writing their articles about, hey, did you notice this scene in X2 at the end? And then you go back and watch it and notice. Yes, they're like under the jet, there's like this shadow kind of following it that is in the shape of the Phoenix wings and things like that. That's pretty tight. Um, So that, that setup of her dying into that little shadow, I think that's really cool leading into what we're going to get from Phoenix. Um, And I was really, really excited to see Phoenix slash Dark Phoenix on the big screen and X3 kind of botched the delivery on it. Kind of? Bro. I like X3. Let's be real. It's it's enjoyable. But I've also been known to like bad movies, so clearly I can't be trusted. Mm. Trying to fight? (laughs) No, I I know that the Phoenix storyline was fucked. But I st- I think the movie is enjoyable to watch, other than Pokey Needle Guy. Like, what the f- why why is he in the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants? He's got to hug somebody to kill him. Come on. How's he helping anybody? Out out? He has a really uh, he's very angry and face tattoos. So I mean, you know, he's serious. I mean, in the age of coronavirus, it makes sense to have one of the bad guys fucking just hug people all the time, right? That's true. But I mean, it has its moments that I really enjoy. For sure. I, I'll give that to you. Like, I really like Beast. I mean, Beast is fucking amazing in that. Yeah. I like Wolverine's walk up to killing Gene. Like, you can feel it in Hugh Jackman's acting of, like, how devastating it is for him to kill Gene Grey. I don't like, what's her What's her name? Uh, Pharma something? No idea. I, whatever. I thought she was just. Oh, uh, the actress. Uh, yes. Now I can't think of her name. Don't even worry about it. stuck in my head. Famke Jan- Jansen. There you go. Big Pharma, bro. It's Big yeah. Fucking Pharma. That's how she turned into the Phoenix. Also, we couldn't... We, we can't give this movie another award, but Empire Strikes Back deserves a little bit of honorable mention here because you've got Luke... Uh, I Am Your Father. You've got... Uh, and I'm going to get shit on by all the Star Wars fans. I know it's not Luke, I Am Your Father. It's no, I Am Your Father. I, I get it. I said the wrong fucking thing. But you get that. You get Han Solo frozen in carbonite. No idea what's going to happen to him. Leia and Luke just kind of flying off into the sunset uh, after being betrayed by Lando. Vader going back to see the Emperor. Uh, the the Rebel Alliance is kind of on its on the back ropes at this point. Mm-hmm, really action. good setup for like we need to see how they're going to pull this off. Yes, awesome. I love that movie. Really good. All right, so those are our awards. We gave out best new character, best world building, best genre shift, most devastating lost character. Han, we love you. And the best part three setup. Did we miss any categories? We did. Favorite part two movie. Hit me. I mean, so for this, I didn't go with like... I went within their respective franchise where I like the second movie better than the other movies within the franchise, right? Not right. 
this is one of my favorite top time all top 10 movies i love this before anything that that's not what we're talking about here we're talking about where's part two better than parts one or three too fast too furious obviously i'll always okay. ride or die for too fast too furious uh the last jedi i like that better than episode seven and episode nine a hundred percent the last jedi has grown on me tremendously just it's an incredible movie it's uh, teenage, Mut- teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 the secret of the ooze is the oh. best of that trilogy Dude, it's the worst of the trilogy. It's so much fun. It's no, it's not the worst of the trilogy. It is the shitty. They go back in time and fight a samurai in the third one. It is not the worst of the trilogy. Dude, the third one's dope. That's number two. Nineteen ninety was the best one for sure. Okay, so the first one is the best movie, right? Secret of the Ooze is just fucking enjoyable. I don't care what your name is. Get Vanilla Ice in there. That's pretty sweet. It's the first one. Razar. Those are yeah. I hate Super them. Shredder. Also, I hate that. Kino can lick Kino. balls. You got combat cold cuts. Come on now. Yeah, that's stupid. I, can't, I, I like the darker tone. Don't hate on it, me, bro. Uh, D2, The Mighty Ducks, is also my favorite of that series. Because, again, they went just completely batshit insane in the second one. Like, the first one is a normal kids sports movie. And the second one is just like, how many fucking weird characters? We got a fucking cowboy skating around on the ice, lassoing people up. Yeehaw! Uh, yeah. So yeah, those are my favorite part twos. My, I got two quick ones. I got The Dark Knight, duh. Oh, yeah, And uh, Spider-Man 2, duh. I like Spider-Man 1 better. Okay, I'll, I will give you that. Yeah. That's fair. I, I have a problem with Spider-Man 2, and we're going to get to it in the succulatives, surprisingly. And it and it's always soured my opinion of Spider-Man 2. Hit me. Well, well we're not in the we'll subtitles quite we'll get yet. To it, so a lot of part twos they recast characters. So I wanted to just talk about the best and worst recastings real quick. Uh, my favorite is Don Cheadle replacing Terrence Howard. Yes, dude, hundred percent. He was the first thing that came to mind. Yeah, he is so good, dude. Terrence Howard was pretty good, but he's not Don Cheadle. No, John T- John John Don, Don Cheadle kills that role. Absolutely. I'm really surprised that they haven't gone back and tried to reshoot Terrence Howard's scenes with Don Cheadle yet. That like, or just coming. made an Iron Patriot movie. Yeah, that's coming in like the 25th anniversary. It'll be re-released with Don Cheadle in all of those scenes. That'd be fucking tight. I'd be all for that. And you know Terrence Howard would like sue or some shit. Oh, yeah. They'd have to They'd have to pay Terrence Howard like $10 million in, to a, for him to allow them to do it. This is fucking bullshit, man. I was I helped start this franchise, man, and then he just took it from me. Well, no, he took it from himself. He won too much money. He thought he was the star of the movie. Yeah, he no. wasn't. Yeah, uh, do you comics. have any? Do you have any other good recastings? No, that was Don, Don Cheadle was really the best. He was head and shoulders above anyone else that I could think of. So that was where any I, bad ones. I kept it. I got several. I got uh, April O'Neil. For, you know, Judith Hogue no. to Paige Turco from uh, the first to the second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. I fucking hated April in the second and third movie. She sucked. And that's all I'll say. And then my second, I got a runner up here, Maggie Gyllenhaal for The Dark Knight. So I had this listed. I go back and forth on her because I, I liked Katie Holmes and I kind of like Maggie Gyllenhaal. I just think... They shouldn't have changed the actress at all. I wish. No. I think if either one of them would have been in both movies, it would have been fine. But because it was a replacement, 
Maggie Gyllenhaal doesn't quite hold up to Katie Holmes. And I, I hate to say it, and this is incredibly shallow of me, but it really comes down to looks for me. Because Rachel Dawes is supposed to be a smoke show, young, you know, I mean, I don't know hyper intelligent. Smoke show. I think she's more attractive than Maggie Gyllenhaal. Okay. That's just personal opinion. Um, You're allowed to have those here, Nick. Exactly. And, uh, you know, hate on me all you want. But I thought Maggie Gyllenhaal brought more of like a bratty attitude toward it. Whereas Katie Holmes was more of like a reserved strategist, which I liked a lot. Yeah, Maggie Gyllenhaal is definitely more outspoken, but I think that has a lot to do with the relationship with Harvey Dent. In that she's she's kind of playing the go-between between Harvey Dent and Bruce Wayne Bruce, in yeah. that she's she's got a she's got to take Harvey's side and at the same time take Batman's side in these in these inane arguments that they're having to a point where she's supporting both of them and she gets a lot more to do I think Maggie Gyllenhaal does than Katie Holmes did and I and the way she's doing those more things is not contradictory but just she's in the middle of things all the time yeah, it's tough. I mean, I, I I tell you what, I'll retract that because I think Mag, Maggie Gyllenhaal acts her fucking ass off. I think she nailed the role better than I mean, Katie Holmes re- would. Just think about the scene in the penthouse when Joker storms that party. Like she does a oh, great fantastic. job in that scene. When the bomb's about to go off at the mm-hmm. end, like that's fucking heartbreaking. Like, I don't she know acts that Katie Holmes off. could do those things. I don't know that she. I don't think so. But I would have liked to see one of them in both movies. I th- I think. I think the character would have benefited from having the same, obviously, the same person in both movies. One hundred percent. I think if that happened, it would not be even mentioned here. I don't think you can say the same thing for like Iron Man two. I don't. I don't think you could say Iron Man two would be. Terrence Howard wouldn't have been better in both movies than Don Cheadle would have been better in both movies. Like Don Cheadle would have been better in both movies. Regardless, he's perfect for the role. Yeah. 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 You're right. Uh, You're right, Maury. I had another one, uh, Julianne Moore replacing Jodie Foster in Hannibal. Yes. And this is yes. kind of the same thing as The Dark Knight is, I like Julianne Moore, but Jodie Foster was just too good as Clarice Starling, and it sucked that she was replaced. Um, if Julianne Moore, I think, was in Silence of the Lambs, I would have been fine with it. But because she replaced Jodie Foster, I, Foster just, she feels like she's the superior Clarice because she did it first and she did it better. But I think that's the best way to put it. She did it first, she did it better. I don't know that Silence of the Lambs loses anything with Julianne Moore in there. No, whereas, we just have that perception, like, that's who it is. every other Marvel movie that has Don Cheadle in it would have lost something if Taron Howard, Terrence Howard's in that role. Yeah, he's just not, the, not as he's good. Not, he's not the same. Um, okay, so let's move on to our suckletives. We'll go through this real quick. quick. Yes. All right, worst new character. Who you got? I got Don from 28 Weeks Later. Okay. Fuck this guy. Spreads the virus like crazy, abandons the family, watches his wife get killed, then kills his wife again, and he basically fucks up the entire world because he's a prick. All right, I'll give you that. I went with the heavy quotes here, ghetto cars from Transformers 2. That were basically robot, <laughs> oh my God, black so slash bad, Latino dude. walking stereotypes. Oh, oh, those are so terrible. They were very, very bad. And even at the time where, like, 
comedy like that was still acceptable in movies, yes. you could tell it was bad. It was it was cringy. I mean, that it was, was like 2008, and it was like it was still okay to do that in movies, but it, it didn't work in this movie. It made it people definitely doesn't work watching in 2020. Oh, I imagine I can't even imagine putting that shit on. I did have a runner up here too. Oh, what do you got? Electra, Amazing Spider-Man oh, too. All right. Fucking awful. I can feel that. I like Jamie Foxx. I think he could have done good things. I think it was just a weird way they wanted to portray the character. I uh, 100% agree. 100%. Even even before he turned into Dr. Manhattan, like, what was with the weird comb over and the buck teeth? Like, why do we need all that? It was too much. It was too to much. To show he's a loser. Just, like, make him a loser. You don't have to – you can't make a good-looking person like Jamie Foxx actually look that bad There's without that, making yeah. it look stupid. And it looked well, stupid. He's he's too charismatic. Like that's, even then, that's he's true a, too. He's a fucking scene stealer, even in his terrible, awful dialogue, stupid come over, dumb, idiot looking, dumb shit ass. And you could see that like wanting to be- break through of the character of Max of Jamie Foxx's exuberance, and it just like he had it in him, and he wanted to explode, and he couldn't. He had to be this reserved guy, doucher. All right, worst world building addition. What do you got? Uh, this might be a little contest contested, but I got um, dumb and dumber er when Harry met Lloyd. This is <laughs> fucking stupid. I don't give a shit how they met. I don't. I, the recasting was stupid. It was fucking horrendous. It was completely unnecessary. Added absolutely nothing. But when you're when you're bringing their entire past, you know how they met, like something. It's supposed to be momentous. Yeah, to the that, big it was not, that was not a world that needed to be built. No, I mean, it, not at all. I want to know about their shenanigans, not how they fucking met drinking that's, slushies, that's, that's really chipping good. teeth. Stupid. On a short bus. Oh, it was dumb. Fucking I, dumb. I laughed at that movie when I saw it in high school. And I, I had the DVD, and I would watch it sometimes. I quickly found the error of my ways. Like, it, it's not good. I don't but think there I was, ever There were some funny shit. moments in it. I don't think I ever laughed at it. I was just like, this movie is stupid. Fuck, Fuck these guys. All right. For me, I went with Madagascar 2. Uh, all of the donkeys look alike and are all voiced by Chris Rock. So they're basically saying – or not donkeys, the zebras, sorry. Uh, the zebras that they meet in Africa all look and sound the same. So they're basically saying the one black character, all of them look and sound the same. Uh, that's pretty whack apparently sequels and this is in all of africa they got all these zebras and they're all the exact same uh <laughs> sequels love to just throw in bad racial stereotypes whenever possible it's usually pretty easy for them it like it's, it's it's almost so natural for them they can't help it i, I think it's an easy joke and at the time it's another movie 2007 2008 i want to say it was an easy joke that was still acceptable at the time and part twos are very well known for just completely mailing it in and rush hour two not trying very hard i like rush hour two i fucking like, love rush hour two but it's it's perfect for that's a great yes. example of of let's I'm just throw about. in some stereotypes because they're easy jokes and we can exactly get, we can get easy laughs out of it Ricky and that's Tan. what this is that's that's what the ghetto cars were in transformers 2 but yeah i i think when you're trying to expand your world you're taking these guys to africa you expand your world by making one species completely homogenous. That that's not actually world building. No, that was laziness. Cheap lazy joke. Worst genre shift. What do you got? Pack Rim Two, Pacific Rim Two. Oh, 
It went from being a monster Sometimes mecha movie. That, you know, that was just great. The lore behind it was awesome, I thought. Uh, I was super to, excited uh, for Pacific Rim 2. Oh, I was fucking pumked. John Boyega, I thought, was going to do great. But it, was, it, it came across as an inspirational, over-the-top action movie with too many personal bullshit going on. Yeah, they went action sci-fi instead of you know monster just, mech battle exactly it it was a monster mecha battle the storyline fit perfect with it guillermo del toro was the Charlie best Day director was for that. like the main brain. villain and yeah he, his brain was sucked into the monsters or some shit like that right it's, it was fucking silly boyago was the shining moment of that movie i would say like he was the best part of it he was the best part but i hated him so much because the rest of the movie was fucking yeah. awful boyago's great I was pissed. Dude, when I saw I I remember walking into Pac Rim late. Like, I walked in three or four minutes late, but I love that. I probably watched it 15, 20 times. I got it on DVD and Blu ray. Love oh, that first movie. Yeah, I'm going full full speed ahead, bro. I spent like $9 on that shit. Oh, man. And then Pac Rim 2 came out, and I was, I was like verbally upset about it. When I finished yeah. it, I, I remember looking at my wife and what the fuck was this so yeah i slept on pacific room for a while i probably didn't watch it for like a year or two after it came out just like i had it on my list i just hadn't gotten around to it i wasn't i'm not a huge monster movie guy Love so Mac. i was like yeah it looks good i like the actors it's, it's fine like and, and then i watched it and i'm like oh that was fucking awesome and then pac room 2 was about to come out right after i finished pacific room 1 so i was like awesome let's get it fucking terrible terrible all right, so for me, I picked Cars 2, which I've never seen, but I know the gist of, and i got to throw it in there. I, I, the, Cars 1, the Pixar animated film, is kind of like this journey to find yourself and uh, a kind of coming-of-age story in a universe filled with cars. And they turned it into a goofy spy comedy where Larry the Cable Guy is a tow truck spy. Yeah, and he's like the main. He yeah. became more of the main character when Owen yes, Wilson. That, that's the other you problem. You know, fled yeah. from the project. Good for him. He made a shit ton of money, so he's like, yeah, fuck all this. But I, I liked the original Cars. I yeah, remember my it, nephew it was a really loved good, Cars. I, I kind of like those movies, the Journey to Find Yourself movies. Those are really good movies usually, and Cars captured that in a way that was palatable for kids, and also kind of spoke to young adults that were in college you know leaving college kind of growing and trying to figure out themselves i mean um, young dudes dude it's yeah. cars i mean yeah it, it, that's it, like it, a man it thing. hit in a space where it's like okay I, I, let's find the things that are important and then cars 2 just goes now nah, we're gonna tell larry the cable are fart tow truck jokes for two hours yeah fuck all that shit all right least devastating lost character who are you happy to see die in part two Motherfucking Shao Kahn from Mortal Kombat Annihilation. There you this go. This white pasty bitch named Shao Kahn. Get Never the fuck him. out of here. Oh my god. He was annoying shit. I did shit. have the Mortal Kombat Annihilation soundtrack when I was a kid. Though. I love that movie. That was something that I grew up watching. I love the transformations in it. And Liu Kang was my dude. But I even as a kid, I remember seeing this guy named Shao Kahn as a, this japanese warlord type shit and i'm just like this motherfucker's a bald white guy i don't know how i feel about this this is not he should have been baraka instead come on now i mean he should have just been you know not tom really. evergreen or some shit luke cage <laughs> not luke the... cage uh is that his name no what's the uh 
What's the white dude with the sunglasses and the Luke Cage? Yeah, Luke Cage. No, okay. that's uh, yeah, that's, that's Johnny Johnny Cage. Johnny, Johnny Cage. Cage. There we go. My I knew he was a Cage though. B. Yeah, he's a Cage of some sort. Rusty it's Cage. Related to Luke Cage. He dies immediately in the beginning of this movie. But yeah, fuck Shao Kahn. He can eat massive amounts of penises. I went with Gilderly Gildery Gilderoy Lockhart. Dude, that's a great Harry Potter pick. and the Chamber of Secrets. He didn't actually die, but he never appeared again, and thank God he didn't. He does, uh, that's a great pick. He got shout, pulled out of there. Shouts to Kenneth Branagh. He did a magnificent job portraying Lockhart. Just He's just so insufferable. Lockhart I fucking is. hate him. I want to punch yeah, his face. He's awful. <laughs> I, I hate him. All right, so worst part three setup. What do you got? Last Amazing Spider-Man 2. Mm. Boom. It was so fucking sloppy, I could not believe it. The addition of, of Jamie Foxx's Electro and Dane DeHaan as Green Goblin I like Dane was DeHaan. just... I, I, I think he's a great actor. I love his style. Mm. You know, like that weird... He would be great in a noir movie. Like, he'd be so good. And he could have rocked Green Goblin. But I think the writing for this movie was so fucking bad, there was nowhere to go for part three. No, that that's very true, and they didn't have anywhere to go. I picked something from the Spider-Man universe as well. I picked Spider-Man 2 from the Raimi trilogy, and here's why. I hate the runaway bride scene with Mary Jane. It's one of it's my least favorite dumb. scenes of all time. It's pretty dumb. It's super tacked on, and like I, I feel like they just should have left that for the beginning of Part 3. Like, Let's have them reconcile in Part 3. Why is... Why are we seeing her run away? I get it. You get to the go get him tiger line at the end, which the go get him tiger line is nice. But the runaway bride scene is just bad. And it's it too much. It didn't make me want to walk into Spider-Man 3. Uh, well, it's yeah. like Spider-Man 3 infecting Spider-Man 2, but it right. would have worked for Spider-Man 3. Like, that would have been a good moment for Spider-Man 3 in the storyline of the movies. Yeah, if, if you leave that cliffhanger of, well, we still... You, you don't show the wedding at all. You just assume that Mary Jane is still going to marry this guy even though yeah, she's gone. she and Peter have kind of reconciled and she learns that Peter is Spider-Man the movie ends with her still maybe marrying Jameson that that gives more weight to the beginning of Spider-Man 3 and you could you could explain it in you could just have them be together at the beginning of Spider-Man 3 and explain it through um, dialogue or, or whatever or you can have the runaway bride scene you can do a million things flashback would be easy peasy a flashback in spider-man 3 would have been better than the runaway bride scene in spider-man 2 i 100%. just hate it because yeah. the ending with doc ock pulling the artificial sun down on himself peter saving mary jane and them kind of sitting in that web together was a really good ending and then we go to uh james franco harry osborne discovering it learning that his dad killed himself with the glider so he was green goblin and him finding the the green goblin cave within their mansion that's another good ending and then you have a third ending with the runaway bride scene like it, it was just too much it was too much you're 100 percent correct there. i think i think having them just lying in the web together where you can take that as okay they're they're going to be together we don't need to see the runaway bride or you can take it as she's still going back to jameson and the Harry discovery, you leave those two as your ending, I think you're fine. You don't need the tacked on runaway pride. I hate it. I absolutely yeah, I mean, it. if you left just the web and the Harry scenes, that's like a good 
balance ending. Yes, that makes you excited to see, okay, what's going to happen with Peter and Mary Jane in part three? What's yeah. going to happen with Harry in part three? Fucking hopeful. You yes. know, you're, you're eager you to see what to happens. See more. But when you resolve one of those things at the 11th hour, then it's like, okay, so Harry's going to become Green Goblin. Great. Cool. Right. I have nothing to look forward to. Well, he's, I just, I was really nervous immediately when it's like, yeah, okay. They're taking this step already. I'm nervous. That is what it is. Again, we're not doing part three here. Yeah. That'll be a different day, and it'll all be succulatives. <laughs> all right. Thank you for listening to movies, part two, movie superlatives. Not movie superlatives, part two, part two, movie superlatives. Difference. Syntax Big is one. important. Yes. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at APA something at alone underscore podcast. Uh, you can check us out on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash podcast about something. We've got a merch store out there, tpublic.com slash APA something. Check that out. Lots of cool stuff there you could buy to rock your podcast about something fandom. We know you're out there. You stands. I guess. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that's pretty much all we've got. Remember, coronavirus is still out there. Be safe. Also, remember, Black Lives Matter and police brutality is not cool. No. Stand with your stand with your fellow Americans. Stand with your man. It's the, it's the time. I think that's a song. Maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, all of our music is provided by those cats. You gotta stay sexy. Stay classy.